0: Chapter Eight, Part Twelve, of Junior Classics, Volume Two, Folk Tales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Stays. Junior Classics, Volume Two, Folk Tales and Myths by William Patton. Chapter Eight, Myths of Greece and Rome, Part Twelve: The Story of Cupid and Psyche by thomas bullfinch a certain king and queen had three daughters the charms of the two elder were more than common but the beauty of the youngest was so wonderful that the poverty of language is unable to express its due praise the fame of her beauty was so great that strangers from neighbouring countries came in crowds to enjoy the sights and look on her with amazement paying her that homage which is due only to venus herself in fact venus found her altars deserted while men turned their devotions to this young virgin as she passed along the people sang her praises and strewed her way with chaplets and flowers this gave great offence to the real venus shaking her locks with indignation she exclaimed am i then to be eclipsed in my honours by a mortal girl she shall not so quietly usurp my honours i will give her cause to repent of so unlawful a beauty thereupon she calls her winged son cupid mischievous enough in his own nature and rouses and provokes him yet more by her complaints she points out psyche to him and says my dear son punish that obstinate beauty give thy mother a revenge as sweet as her injuries are great infuse into the bosom of that haughty girl a passion for some low mean unworthy being so that she may reap a mortification as great as her present exultation and triumph cupid prepared to obey the commands of his mother there are two fountains in venus's garden one of sweet waters the other of bitter cupid filled two amber vases one from each fountain and suspended them from the top of his quiver hastened to the chamber of psyche, whom he found asleep. He shed a few drops, he shed a few drops from the bitter fountain over her lips, though the sight of her almost moved him to pity, then touched her side with the point of his arrow. At the touch she awoke and opened eyes upon Cupid, himself invisible, which so startled him that in his own confusion he wounded himself with his own arrow needless of his wound his whole thought now was to repair the mischief he had done and he poured the balmy drops of joy over all her silken ringlets psyche henceforth frowned upon by venus derived no benefit from all her charms true all eyes were cast eagerly upon her and every mouth spoke her praises but neither king royal youth nor plebeian presented himself to demand her in marriage her two elder sisters of moderate charms had now long been married to two royal princes but psyche in her lonely apartment deplored her solitude sick of that beauty which while it procured abundance of flattery had failed to awaken love her parents afraid they had incurred the anger of the gods consulted the oracle of apollo and received this answer the virgin is destined for the bride of no mortal lover her future husband awaits her on the top of the mountain. He is a monster whom neither gods nor men can resist. This dreadful decree of the oracle filled all the people with dismay, and her parents abandoned themselves to grief. But Psyche said, Why, my dear parents, do you now lament me? You should rather have grieved when the people showered upon me undeserved honors and with one voice called me a Venus. I now perceive that i am a victim to that name i submit lead me to that rock which my unhappy fate has destined me accordingly all things being prepared the royal maid took her place in the procession which more resembled a funeral than a nuptial prompt and with her parents amid the lamentations of the people ascended the mountain on the summit of which they left her alone and with sorrowful hearts returned home while psyche stood on the ridge of the mountains panting with fear and with eyes full of tears the gentle zephyr raised her from earth and bore her with an easy motion into a flowery dale by degrees her mind became composed and she laid herself down on the grassy bank to sleep when she awoke refreshed with sleep she looked round and beheld near by a peasant of tall and stately trees She entered it, and in mist discovered a fountain, sending forth clear and crystal waters, and fast by, a magnificent palace, whose august front impressed the spectator that it was not the work of mortal hands, but by the happy retreat of some god. Drawn by admiration and wonder, she approached the building and ventured to enter. Every object she met filled her with pleasure and amazement golden pillars supported the vaulted roof and the walls were enriched with carvings and paintings representing beasts of the chase and rural scenes proceeding onward she perceived that besides the apartments of state there were others filled with all manner of treasures and beautiful and precious productions of nature and art while her eyes were thus occupied a voice addressed her though she saw no one uttering these words sovereign lady all that ye see is yours we whose voices you hear are your servants and shall obey all your commands with our utmost care and diligence retire therefore to your chambers and repose on your bed of down and when you see fit repair to the bath supper awaits you in the adjoining alcove when it pleases you to take your seat there psyche gave ear to the admonitions of her vocal attendants and after the repose the refreshments of the bath seated herself in the alcove where a table had neatly presented itself without any visual aid from waiters or servants and covered with the greatest delicacies of food her ears too were feasted with music from invisible performers of whom one sang another played on the lute and all closed in the wonderful harmony of a full chorus she had not yet seen her destined husband he came only in the hours of darkness and fled before the dawn of morning but his accents were full of love and inspired a like passion in her she often begged him to say and let her behold him but he would not consent on the contrary he charged her to make no attempt to see him for it was his pleasure for the best of reasons to keep concealed why would you wish to behold me he said have you any doubt of my love have you any wish ungratified if you saw me perhaps you would fear me perhaps adore me but all i ask of you is to love me i would rather you would love me as an equal than adore me as a god this reasoning somewhat quieted psyche for a time and while the novelty lasted she felt quite happy but at length the thought of her parents left in ignorance of her fate, and of her sisters preyed on her mind and made her begin to feel her palace as but a splendid prison when her husband came one night she told him her distress and at last drew from him an unwilling consent that her sister should be brought to see her so calling zephyr she acquainted him with her husband's commands and he promptly obedient soon brought them across the mountains down to their sister's valley they embraced her and she returned their caresses come said psyche enter with me my house and refresh thyselves with whatever your sister has to offer then taking their hands she led them into her golden palace and committed them to care of her numerous train of attendants Voices to refresh them in her baths and at her table and to show them all her treasures the view of these celestial delights caused envy to enter their bosoms at seeing their young sister possessed of such state and splendour so much exceeding their own they asked her numberless questions among others what sort of a person her husband was psyche replied that he was a beautiful youth who generally spent the daytime in hunting upon the mountains the sisters not satisfied with this reply soon made her confess that she had never seen him then they proceeded to fill her mind with dark suspicions call the mind they said the pythian oracle that declared you destined to marry a dreadful and tremendous monster the inhabitants of this valley say that your husband is a terrible and monstrous serpent who nourishes you for a while with dainties that he may by and by devour you take our advice provide you with a lamp and a sharp knife put them in concealment that your husband may not discover them and when he is sound asleep slip out of bed bring forth your lamp and see for yourself whether what they say is true or not if it is hesitate not to cut off the monster's head and thereby recover your liberty psyche resisted these persuasions as well as she could but they did not fail to have their effect on her mind and when her sisters were gone their words and her own curiosity were too strong for her to resist so she prepared her lamp and a sharp knife and hid them out of sight of her husband when he had fallen asleep she silently rose and covering her lamp beheld not a hideous monster but the most beautiful and charming of the gods with golden ringlets wandering over his snowy neck and crimson cheek with two wings on his shoulders whiter than snow and with the shining feathers like the tender blossoms of spring and she leaned over to have a nearer view of his face a drop of burning oil fell on the shoulder of the god, startled with which he opened his eyes and fixed them full upon her. Then, without saying one word, he spread his white wings and flew out the window. Psyche, in vain, endeavouring to follow him, fell from the window to the ground. Cupid, beholding her as she lay in the dust, stopped his flight for an instant and said, Oh foolish Psyche, is it thus you repay my love? after having disobeyed my mother's commands and made you my wife will you think me a monster and cut off my head but go return to your sisters whose advice you seem to think preferable to mine i inflict no other punishment on you than to leave you forever. love cannot dwell with suspicion so saying he fled away leaving poor psyche prostrate on the ground filling the place with mournful lamentations When she had recovered some degree of composure, she looked around her, but the palace and gardens had vanished, and she found herself in the open field not far from the city where her sisters dwelt. She prayed thither, and told them the story of her misfortunes, at which, pretending to grieve, those spiteful creatures inwardly rejoiced. For now, they said, he will perhaps choose one of us, with this idea without saying a word of her intentions each of them rose early the next morning and ascended the mountain and having reached the top called upon zephyr to receive her and bear her to his lord then leaping up and not being sustained by zephyr fell down the precipice and was dashed to pieces psyche meanwhile wandered day and night without food or repose in search of her husband casting her eyes on a lofty mountain having on its brow a magnificent temple she sighed and said to herself perhaps my lord inhabits there and directed her steps thither she no sooner had entered than she saw heaps of corn some in loose ears and some in sheaves with mingled ears of barley scattered about lay sickles and rakes and all the instruments of harvest without order as if thrown carelessly out of the weary reaper's hands in the sultry hours of the day this unseemly confusion psyche put an end to by separating and sorting everything to its proper place and kind believing that she ought neglect none of the gods but endeavour by her piety to engage them all in her behalf the holy ceres whose temple it was finding her so religiously employed thus spoke to her o oh psyche truly worthy of our pity though i cannot shield you from the frowns of venus yet i can teach you how to best allay her displeasure go then and voluntarily surrender yourself to your lady and sovereign and try by modesty and submission to win her forgiveness and perhaps her favor will restore you the husband you have lost psyche obeyed the command of ceres and took her way to the temple of venus endeavoring to fortify her mind and ruminating on what she should say and how best to propitiate the angry goddess feeling that the issue was doubtful and perhaps fatal venus received her with angry countenance most undutiful and faithless of servants said she do you at least remember that you really have a mistress or have you rather come to see your sick husband laid up on the wound given him by his loving wife are you so ill-favoured and disagreeable that the only way you can merit your lover must be by dint of industry and diligence i will make trial of your housewifery she then ordered psyche to be led to the storehouse of her temple where was laid upon a great quantity of wheat barley millet vetches beans and lentils prepared for food for her pigeons and said take and separate all these grains putting all of the same kind in a parcel by themselves and see that you get it done before evening then venus departed and left her to her task but psyche in a perfect consternation at the enormous work sat stupid and silent without moving a finger to the inextricable heap while she sat despairing cupid stirred up the little ant a native of the fields to take compassion on her the leader of the anthill followed by a whole hosts of his six-legged subjects approached the heap and with the utmost diligence taking grain by grain they separated the pile sorting each kind to its parcel and when it was all done they vanished out of sight in a moment. Venus at the approach of twilight returned from the banquet of the gods breathing odors and crowned with roses seeing the task done she exclaimed, this is no work of your own's, wicked one, but his, whom to your own and his misfortune you have enticed. So saying, she threw her a piece of black bread for her supper and went away. Next morning Venus ordered Psyche to be called, and said to her, Behold, yonder grove which stretches along the margin of the water. There you will find sheep feeding without a shepherd, with golden shining fleeces on their backs go fetch me a sample of that precious wool gathered from every one of their fleeces psyche obediently went to the river-side prepared to do her best to execute the command but the river-god inspired the reeds with harmonious murmurs which seemed to say o maiden severely tried tempt not the dangerous flood nor venture along the formidable rams on the other side for as long as they are under the influence of the rising sun They burn with a cruel rage to destroy mortals with their sharp horns or rude teeth. But the shade and the serene spirit of the flood has lulled them to rest. You may then cross in the safety, and you will find the woolly golden sticking to the bushes and the trunks of the trees. Thus the compassionate river god gave Psyche instructions how to accomplish her task and by observing his directions she soon returned to venus with her arms full of golden fleece but she received not the approbation of her implacable mistress who said i know very well that it is by none of your own doing that you have succeeded in this task and i am not satisfied yet that you have any capacity to make yourself useful but i have another task for you here take this box and go your way to the infernal shades and give this box to Prosperine, say, My mistress Venus desires you to send her a little of your beauty, for intending her sixth son, she had lost some of her own. Be not too long on your errand, for I must paint myself with it to appear at the circle of the gods and goddesses this evening. Psyche was now satisfied that her destruction was at hand, being obliged to go with her own feet directly down to Erebus wherefore to make no delay of what was not to be avoided she goes to the top of a high tower to precipitate herself headlong thus to descend the shortest way to the shades below but a voice from the tower said to her why poor unlucky girl dost thou design to put an end to thy days in so dreadful a manner and what cowardice makes thee sink under this last danger who has been so miraculously supported in all thy former then the voice told her how by a certain cave, she might reach the realms of pluto and how to avoid all the dangers of the road to pass by cerberus the three-headed dog and prevail upon charon the ferryman to take her across the black river and bring her back again but the voice added when proserpine has given you the box filled with her beauty of all things is chiefly to be observed by you that you never once open or look into the box nor allow your curiosity to pry into the treasure of the beauty of the goddesses psyche encouraged by this advice obeyed it in all things and taking heed to her ways travelled safely to the kingdom of pluto she was admitted to the palace of proserpine and without accepting the seat or delicious banquet that was offered her but contented with coarse bread for her food she delivered her message from venus presently the box was returned to her shut and filled with the press's commodity then she returned the way she came and gladly was she to come out once more into the light of day but having got so far successfully through her dangerous task a longing desire seized her to examine the contents of the box what said she shall i the carrier of this divine beauty not take the least bit to put on my cheeks to appear to more advantage in the eyes of my beloved husband so she carefully opened the box but found nothing there of any beauty at all but an infernal and truly stygian sleep which thus set free from its prison took possession of her and she fell down in the midst of the road without sense or emotion but cupid being now recovered from his wound and not able longer to bear the absence of his beloved psyche slipping through the smallest crack of the window of his chamber which happened to be left open flew to the spot where psyche lay and gathering up the sleep from her body closed it again in the box and waked psyche with the light touch of one of his arrows again said he hast thou almost perished by the same curiosity but now perform exactly the task imposed on you by my mother and i will take care of the rest then cupid as swift as lightning penetrating the heights of heaven presented himself before jupiter with his supplication jupiter lent a favoring ear and pleaded the cause of the lover so earnestly with venus that he won her consent on this he sent mercury to bring psyche up to the heavenly assembly and when she arrived handing her a cup of ambrosia he said drink this psyche and be immortal nor shall cupid ever break away from the knot in which he is tied but these nuptials shall be perpetual end of chapter eight, part 12.